The little old woman who lived in a shoe is not as nice as you remember. In fact, I just got off the phone with Child Protective Services and they told me directly to stop calling them because she's a fictional character, but they're missing the point. When I was a kid, I was led to believe the little old woman, or Lo, was a terrific mother. Sure, she lived in a shoe, but she had a ton of kids. I thought she couldn't afford the pair. Well, guess what? I just read the original version of the nursery rhyme from the 1700s, and it turns out, this broad is crazy. In her defense, I think having eight kids will do that to anyone. Just ask Kate. But now I've got a ton of questions about her parenting skills and what the rhyme is really about. Where did it come from? Who is the old woman? Where's her husband? Why does she live in a shoe? And what kind of shoe is it? Because that could change everything. If the shoe was an Air Force One, then the old woman might be Nellie. If it's a boot, then we know it's not Nancy Sinatra because her boots were made for walking, not raising children inside of. You know what? I'm gonna do a little research and get you the answers in the next section. In the meantime, listen to a word from our sponsor, Native. When it comes to personal care products, body wash, shampoo, soap, toothpaste, you need to find a brand you can trust. There's just too much at stake. That's why I'm a fan of Native, which was founded with the mission of providing those daily staples with clean, simple, and effective ingredients. They just launched their new deodorant body spray collection, meaning those craveable scents Native is known for can be enjoyed in a whole new way. Just spray your bod and underarms without guilt because it's ozone friendly, watch it dry on contact, and feel Feel secure in knowing you've got instant, all-day odor protection. Native sent me three scents to try, and I've been sticking with the sea salt and cedar, which gives me earthy ocean breeze vibes. My wife Lauren has been alternating between the calming coconut and vanilla and sweet peach and nectar scents, which is basically summer in a can. Native sprays are aluminum-free, paraben-free, hydrocarbon propellant-free, and cruelty-free. It's easy to apply, lasts all day, it smells fantastic, and I can get you a discount. Just follow my link in the description and pinned comment, then use my code to get 20% off your first purchase at Native. This offer is available site-wide, but only for a limited time, so stock up and save. All right, so I've got some answers for you. You might not like them, but I got them. So first we got to establish what the true lyrics of this rhyme are. As I said in the intro, the version that I heard as a kid and the one that kids nowadays are still encountering is quite tame compared to the original. There was an old woman who lived in a shoe. She had so many children, she didn't know what to do. She gave them some broth with plenty of bread. She kissed them all fondly and sent them to bed. Isn't that so nice and sweet? Clearly the old woman was feeling overwhelmed with all of her kids, but she handled it like a boss and sent them to bed with full bellies. What's that? Not enough Jesus for you? Well, check out this version from a collection called The Christian Mother Goose Book. See, Christian Mother Goose is better than regular Mother Goose, who is currently burning in hell. There was an old woman who lived in a shoe. She had so many children and loved them all too. She said, thank you, Lord Jesus, for sending them bread, then kissed them all gladly and sent them to bed. I'm sorry, that was nauseating. Let's just move on to the oldest version. It's not as cringe, but it does add a truly dark twist. The very first time the nursery rhyme was published, it was in 1794, found in a collection called Gammer Girton's Garland, or the Nursery Parnassus. You'll notice a few distinct differences in this version compared to the modern one. There was an old woman, she lived in a shoe. She had so many children, she didn't know what to do. She gave them some broth without any bread. She whipped all their bums and sent them to bed.
And so the truth comes out. For generations, our parents have been lying to us, but now we know. Lo did not give her kids broth with plenty of bread. She just gave them broth. And what was broth like in the 1700s anyway? Salty mud? Let's not forget the corporal punishment either. Not only did this broad send her kids to bed without giving them any food, she makes a point to beat them all first. Now, would you believe me if I said there was an even darker version? That was indeed the oldest version of the rhyme ever printed, but an even more sinister one was published a few years later in 1797 in a collection called Infant Institute. It goes as follows. There was an old woman and she lived in a shoe. She had so many children, she didn't know what to do. She crumbed them some porridge without any bread and she borrowed a beetle and she knocked them all on the head. Then out went the old woman to bespeak him a coffin and when she came back, she found them all a lawfin. Confused? I'd be surprised if you weren't. Confused? I'd be surprised if you weren't. Basically, after Lowe gave her kids some old mushy porridge, she grabbed a beetle, which is another word for a wooden club, and beat them all on the head. And you might be thinking, John, what's so bad about that? Sounds like a regular Tuesday for me and my kids. And hey, fair enough, I don't know your life. But what's got me the most concerned is the second to last line, when after the beating's been dealt, she leaves the house to get a coffin. Like, did she beat them so bad she thought they all died? And was she gonna stuff them all in the same coffin? I get it, money's tight. I mean, she lives in a shoe. It just seems kinda soulless. I'll see myself out. According to folklore experts Iona and Peter Ropi, the last word of the poem, a laughing, is Shakespearean in its origins. And while to this day, we still aren't totally sure what it means, the consensus among linguists is that it probably meant laughing. In other words, the kids were just pretending to be dead to freak their mom out and make her feel guilty for beating them with a table leg. When she came back home with a whole ass coffin, they found it hilarious and couldn't help but laugh. That is, if that's what a loafing really means. For all we know, it could be Shakespearean for foaming at the mouth. Probably isn't, but it could be. So now we've reviewed every notable version of the little old woman who lived in a shoe, and I think it's pretty obvious why parents have opted for a less violent version in modern times. For the record, I don't think any child hearing this rhyme would walk away traumatized or upset. Unless they'd already been traumatized by something else, I don't think they could conceptualize how dark it really is. That being said, I don't blame any parent who feels weird singing to their children about a woman who may or may not have beaten her kids to death. It just doesn't send the right vibes, you know? Anyway, there are still questions left to answer. We still don't know what could have inspired the rhyme's creation or if the lyrics were all a metaphor for something much darker. Lucky for us, folklore experts and enthusiasts alike have propagated some theories we can analyze. So for those new to messed up origins, I should tell you it's very common for nursery rhymes like this one to have more than one theory about where, when, and how they originated. And those who've been tuning in for a while can probably already guess what today's theories are about. Say it with me, the royal family. You know, there are few things on this planet I care less about than the British monarchy, but the fact that so many of these nursery rhymes originated in England has led to most of them being given royal, but completely unprovable origin stories. That's the problem with folklore. You can come up with a pretty convincing hypothesis based off the evidence you have, but there's almost never enough evidence to prove it beyond a doubt. You'll see what I mean in just a second, though I will say this particular theory does seem less far-fetched than the others I've covered. I'm looking at you, three blind mice. 
What a bunch of bullshit. So this first theory claims that the little old woman who lived in a shoe was written as an insult to King George II, who reigned from 1727 to 1760. A little about King Georgie, he wasn't a popular guy. He had been born abroad, so English wasn't his native language, and he also wasn't a big fan of the whole governing a country thing. So he left a lot of the major decisions to his wife, Queen Caroline, who had a better understanding of things. Now that all may be true about King George II, but it's this next detail I'm having a hard time believing and it's the one this whole theory hinges on. Allegedly, citizens of Great Britain gave George the nickname the Old Woman because of his tendency to let his wife make all the decisions. No, it doesn't really make sense. It's also a weird nickname for someone who left a legacy of being a major coos hound. Am I allowed to say that on YouTube? Coos hound? We should censor it just in case. It's also worth noting that several searches on Google, Google Scholar, and even Bing didn't turn up a single written record where George is referred to as the old woman. No newspapers, journals, pamphlets, books, nothing. The reason the written records are so important is because without them, the theory has no basis. Like even if he really was given that nickname, how would anyone in modern times know that unless someone who was living back then preserved that information by writing it down? And in this case, the only references I can find to King George being called an old woman are internet articles explaining this theory, which leads me to believe the authors were all just copy pasting the same information from each other because where else could they be getting it from? But hey, history and folklore are always messy, so let's just say we missed something in our research, because that's totally possible, and he really was called the old woman. How would that even play into the rest of the theory? Well, the story goes that Georgie had a very hard time controlling Parliament, making them the old woman's unruly children. George was also keen to involve Britain in a number of foreign wars which were expensive, leaving little money to spend on other public matters, hence the line, she gave them broth without any bread. On several occasions, the king tried to get Parliament to vote in his interests, mostly unsuccessfully, but the official who tries to ensure that members of a party vote according to the party belief is known as the whip. And so the children were whipped, then sent to bed, the House of Commons. But what about the shoe they live in, you might be asking? Well, that's where the theory really starts to fall apart in my view. The shoe would have made a great House of Commons, but they already said that was the bad. So instead, theorists have associated it with George and Caroline's love life. It turns out that it used to be common tradition to throw shoes at newlyweds leaving for their honeymoon. I've never heard of it, but I'm an uncultured swine. Apparently, the tradition stretches farther back than anyone can remember. But unlike King George's nickname, this fact has actually been backed up in an 1895 publication of Folklore where the author mentions participating in the act himself. Similar to how in modern times, rice is sometimes thrown at weddings, throwing shoes at the happy couple was supposed to cause good luck. Though I'm not sure how. Maybe if you walked away without getting concussed, that was interpreted as a good sign? Well, George and Caroline started popping out kids right after they got married and ended up with eight total. So I guess saying they lived in a shoe is a play on them being really lucky. If by lucky, you mean fertile which I suppose makes sense in the case of the royal family. The bigger the dynasty, the better. But that just raises more questions in my head, because if George had so many kids, couldn't the old woman's unruly children be his actual children? And why isn't his wife incorporated into the rhyme? You know what? This is just getting too complicated. Let's move on to the other leading theory. According to a website called nurseryrhymesmg.com, this nursery rhyme dates back to 18th century England and is said to be a reference to the English Parliament, 
portrayed as an old woman. When you turn the map of Great Britain 90 degrees clockwise, you can see that it resembles an old-fashioned shoe. Nope, I'm out. If I gotta rotate a map, your theory is trash. Also, straight up not true at all. I bought a stock photo of an 18th century map of Great Britain just to show you that it looks more like a baby dragon with a mohawk trying to fly than a shoe. Italy looks like a shoe, and you don't have to rotate sh to see that, but we didn't find an Italian version of the rhyme, so not much we can do with that information. I guess that leaves us with three options then. Option one, the rhyme really is about King George II. Option two, it's about Nelly and the Saint Lunatics. Or option three, it's just a silly children's song about an old woman with a bunch of kids living in the smallest, smelliest place you can imagine. Besides a butthole, but that's harder to rhyme. Option number two is my personal favorite, but I'm curious to hear your thoughts. So make sure you hit us up on the Messed Up Origin socials, where you can also find new short form content every single weekday. Links to all those are in the description. But do that after you rate the podcast five stars and give us a follow, if you want more messed up deep dives delivered to your device every Friday morning. I'll speak with you all again next week with the very messed up origins of Crocs. Until then, my name is John Solo, and remember, John shot first. Thank you.